Hey there, Bucketheads! Are we ready for another episode of History Bucket, the podcast? I (laughs) sure hope so, because here we go. (laughs) So, I'm just going to preface, I think I was in a mood when I wrote my notes. What kind of mood? (laughs) Well, I was angry Mm -hmm. about my topic. Okay. And then I think that anger just turned into angry sarcasm as I was writing. Oh, righty. Yeah. So I'm that glad, is- uh, again, I'm glad you're going last. <laughs> <laughs> Me too, honestly. Because I think like mine's going to be, it's like six pages long, so it's kind of long. <laughs> I love how like your, like six pages, like five, four to six pages is like your normal yeah. Mine is typically like one, one and a half, and they end up being the same time length. <laughs> well, I, I do a lot. Like, I, I put a lot of information into it, and then I shorten a lot of it while I'm talking. <laughs> so it's one of those things that's like, I might have 20 pages worth of information, still going to talk for about 30 minutes, no matter yeah. what. <laughs> no, I Just get that. how it is. All right. Well, tell me all about your gloomy time that you made just made you so mad part of me is like do i read it the exact way that i wrote it (laughs) (laughs) i kind of want you to okay (laughs) a a little at least a little bit i want to okay i'll do i'll do the beginning part of it because that was that's where it's like the most angry yeah (laughs) okay (laughs) so literally i started it so today on history bucket the podcast we're talking about more upsetting shit, but not surprising stuff that white people did. <laughs> Why is that a tagline for something that we're going to definitely do in the future <laughs> at some point? Just not shocking, but totally under like not understandable, but totally under get it things that white people have done. Mm-hmm. Just and just- unsurprisingly, <laughs> it starts with what that was found in California. Gold. Yeah. And what did this gold discovery lead to? Death, murder, mayhem. (laughs) I was close. Genocide. You were. (laughs) Death, murder, mayhem. My script literally said, and what did this gold discovery lead to? Genocide. I fucking hate it here. (laughs) (laughs) I also hate it here. We are in a mutual agreement of hating it here. Mm -hmm. Okay. So... We talked about the beginning of the season, back when we did our history episode, that there was a very diverse population of Native people in California. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, they were here for thousands of years. They had like 80 separate languages, very robust, and for the most part, peaceful set of cultures. Yeah. But in 1848, Mm -hmm. when California became American property, and then two years later, a state, people Mm -hmm. found gold. Mm hmm and people wanted everyone searching for that gold to look like them. Well, I'm not shocked, but I am disappointed. <laughs> um, by this point, there was still a population of over uh, 150,000 natives in the state. Um, but, you know, there was gold on tribal land and Marika wanted that shit. And whatever America wants, America takes. Yeah. Doesn't just, just, you know, doesn't get, takes. 
Yeah. Um, so the dates on this are a little loose just purely because it was way back when there mm-hmm. was, you know, there was documentation, but I think uh, they realized it was probably not smart to keep that documentation around. <laughs> you know, because uh, genocide. Do, we're going to do a bunch of illegal things. Write that down. Oh, uh, maybe don't. <laughs> don't write that down. But like, sometimes write it down. <laughs> <laughs> so once... It was a state, the federal and state governments gave permission to enslave the native people Mm. in the state's very first session of legislature. That's disgusting. Mm -hmm. This also gave white settlers the right to take custody of native children. What? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, um, uh... I don't. Mm-mm. Oh, no. it gets better. Oh, I I don't want it's, it to. It's gonna start sounding a lot like Mississippi soon. Yeah, because this set of laws also gave white people the right to arrest native people for minor offenses like loitering or having and drinking alcohol, which means they then had the right to make them work off the fines. Oh. So like loophole slavery. Yeah. But they 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 rationalized the earlier mentioned legal slavery by saying it was for the natives' protection, so this way they weren't arrested for these things. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So like if we just go ahead and like make them do it, they're not gonna get in trouble for doing the other things. I'm so, I'm so not happy right now. Oh, imagine me having to read these articles. <laughs> I was mad. So none of this was helped by the fact that the first governor of California, Peter Burnett, because we're going to name the motherfucker, because if he's going to be remembered for anything, it's going to be for his fucking racism. Yeah, name drop that bitch. He saw the natives as lazy, savages, and dangerous. You know, Peter, I don't know you personally, and I don't think I ever will, seeing as that you're dead and everything, but, like, I'm not a fan of you, bro. You fucked up. (laughs) You fucked up hard. And um, I hope that wherever you are, most likely in some form of hell, you're being tortured forever. (laughs) So, Hmm. even though... Mm-hmm. White people were taking the territory of the natives, as well as making them sick with diseases that they'd never had before. Uh, <laughs> governor, white people. Uh, classic white people. I told you, very unsurprising. Um, our, our governor, Peter Burnett, uh, saw an unavoidable outcome. And I quote, oh, that God. a war of extermination will continue to be waged between the races until the Indian race becomes extinct which must be expected. He told legislators on the second state, uh, second state of the state address in 1851, while we cannot anticipate this result, but with painful regret, 
The inevitable destiny of the race is beyond the power or wisdom of any man to advert. Pause for rage. What the actual fuck? Like, yep. can you just have such a low standard for just having and being a fucking human being? Mm-hmm. And being nice and kind and, I don't know, at least respectful to another human being? No. 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 Literally, he's the dude signing these laws into fucking power, right? And he's like, mm, it's beyond the power of wisdom or power or wisdom of man to advert. No, you literally, you could do it. Mm. You could say no. No, what he knew when he has this stupid power trip and he wants to be fucking racist as shit and exterminate. He's just like. <sighs> yep. So while he had no power or wisdom to avert it, um, he had power or wisdom to help it uh, because he put aside money to arm militias and with the help of the United States Army started storing massive amounts of weapons, which were then given to the militias who were then told to kill the natives. Mm. I'm really glad that you went first. You're right. Yeah, told you. Told you. I'm just just so unhappy with this. Mm-hmm. And my topic makes me so happy. So I'm glad this is this is the way this episode's going cuz mother fuck so am I. Um, So these militias would raid tribal outposts, uh, not just shooting, but also scalping the natives. And then the settlers decided to join in with the local governments and putting bounties on natives' heads. And those local governments would then pay settlers for the horses of the people that they murdered. Hmm. Well. None of this sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. And, um, um go ahead. I don't like any of this. Mm-hmm. Pretty much all I can say at this point. This led to the death of 6,460 natives in California from 1846 to 1873 just by vigilantes. I'm not okay. No. And then the army aided, uh, you know, uh, making the number higher by killing 1,600 natives themselves. Holy shitballs. That is um, an obscene amount. Uh, Uh That is an ungodly number. Oh, it gets worse. Oh, no. Remember, genocide. Yeah. Okay, continue. So, large massacres were also a big part of making uh, the number of people dead so big, Um, such as the one in 1850, where around 400 of the Pomo people were slaughtered by the U.S. Calvary and local volunteers at Clear Lake, which is just north of San Francisco. Um, This number included women and children, because I guess no one felt like raising kidnapped children that day. Mm-hmm. I told you I was in a mood while writing this. Uh, honestly, I get it. Yeah, I fucking get it. Makes sense. 
It's a valid mood to be in. In the mid-1860s, natives were forced to go onto reservations after they couldn't be slaves anymore because, you know, I guess the Civil War kicked in. Um, and their children were forced to go to Indian assimilation schools. I'm sorry. I hated saying that. Indian assimilation schools? Mm-hmm. But remember, no. they're the savages. It's them, not us. If we would like to look back on all of history in general across the world, not specifically the Americas, because honestly, but, but honestly, America is proof enough, but just generalized around the world. What is in English people's brains? that think everybody in the world needs to be fucking English. Well, see, now, it's not just the English. It's not even Christian anymore. It's just the, like, the British Empire by itself took over a lot of the Asian communities, a lot Mm -hmm. of the fucking African communities, and then they, when, when, you know, that specific amount of British people was like, I don't want to be part of that British people anymore. I want to be part of my own British people. And they found other people and they're like, oh, no, see, you're not white enough for us. So they just did the same thing that the British Empire did. I wonder if it's like an aspect of like little man syndrome where because it's such a small island, they feel like they have to overcompensate. Yes, must take over tiny world. Like tiny island, big world must take. Like what? (laughs) What is I, I don't fucking understand. Cause like let's let's be honest here. Like, other than the Spanish, because the Spanish did similar things in the Americas. To the well, natives. and so did the Dutch in Africa. Like that's just it, it wasn't just England. Yes. The French did it and everybody fucking did it. Yeah. It's just fucking Europeans. I'm mad. Anyway, continue. It's not about to get better. I didn't think it was. So during the first two years of the gold rush, an estimated 100,000 natives died. And by 1873, only around 30,000 natives remained out of the 150,000 when the rush began. See, all of those words that you put in that sentence, the way you put them there, I didn't uh-huh. like any of it. Uh-huh. Um, you, you ready for this? No. We're, we're reaching the end, if it makes you feel any better. It's not, but okay. <laughs> um, so 16,000 of those deaths were uh, state-sanctioned, and the state spent $1.7 million in back-then money to do it. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Mm-hmm. And here I thought California would be just maybe a little bit better nope. than the South. But nope, nope. Everybody's just fucked everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm not even, like, this is the only part that I'm mentioning this guy. Uh, his name is John Sutter, who he himself is a piece of 
fucking work. Uh, mm-hmm. And I feel like we should talk about him, but I was angry enough as is writing just what I have already written. Um, and this motherfucker, honestly, I don't know if he deserves an episode about him. Mm-hmm. Um, but he is the one whose property the initial gold was found on. Mm-hmm. And just to give you a little idea of him, um, huh, despite being told to treat the natives kindly when he was given his land grant, uh, he enslaved six to eight hundred natives and also had a fucking harem. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, that mm-hmm. made my stomach icky. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, I think. Um. I have no thoughts, just anger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. He. Uh. He. He got his own. Because uh, when he did, because when I people found he out there was gold on his property, um, uh, a lot of people came to try and get it. I hope he was not just, like, murdered, but, like, murdered in, like, medieval Europe version of murdered, where, like, he was tied to four horses, and they just split him apart. You know, I think that's actually nicer than what actually happened to him, because this man, again, a piece of fucking shit, um, mm-hmm. had all of his stuff just stripped away from him, and he was broke i'm still going with the drawn and quartered Mm, i don't know for a man like him who literally abandoned his wife and five children in uh i think he was dutch um because of he owed money you're right it should be a different torture device yeah i think having to live his life out being poor after enslaving people and having yeah. to literally work and beg for the rest of his life was a uh, good karma. Mm. But what about the ones where they stuck a cage full of rats on your chest? Oh, no, that would have been good, too. That would have been nice. Yeah, I feel like he deserves something like that. Slow. Painful. The rat. Right. Drawn the rat quarters. with rats. Ooh, Yeah. Yeah, there you're right. The drawn and quartered is a little too quick now. It needs to be dragged out a little mm-hmm. bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And my last little teeny tiny paragraph is that with California today having the largest native population and being home to 109 federally recognized tribes, um, the state only apologized for the genocide back in 2019. Hmm. which like not good enough but like i don't know what is good enough because how the fuck do you make up for that you don't other than by like giving it back to them just you lost a significant amount of lives and culture and just the just just anything Mm -hmm. would not be good enough nothing would would be good enough nothing yeah there is no level of anything that will ever be good enough to make that right. Yeah, especially not a half-assed apology 150 years later. Agreed. Yep. So yeah, that that is the Native American genocide of California. Well, I did not enjoy that one bit. Yep, where um, 120,000 people were just killed for gold. Yeah, see, I'm not enjoying... Nope, nope, that was 
terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, did not like any of that. Zero out of ten. Zero out of ten recommend. Um, yeah, fuck them beaches. Okay, um, <laughs> we're gonna talk about one of my favorite places in California because I had to for history's mysteries. We're gonna talk. I about forgot Sarah- that was your topic, and I'm very happy now. We're gonna talk about Sarah Winchester. Oh yes, yes. So, um, to our listeners, a couple years ago, I went to California, and I had the opportunity to tour and go to the Winchester Mystery House. It was the single coolest thing um, that I have ever witnessed. Uh, it, it is a place that you just feel the vibe, not entirely a hundred percent. But you can't put your finger on what it is. So I'm going to do a little back history on Sarah Winchester. And here we go. So Sarah Winchester, her legal name was Sarah. But everybody in her family called her Sally after her paternal grandmother. But Sarah or Sally was born in 1839 in Haven, Connecticut. Now, during the American Civil War, uh, Sally or Sarah, I'm going to call her Sally through the most of this. Um, Sally was just under five feet tall just a tiny little thing and and at the age of 23 married william wirt winchester who was then 25 at the time on september 30th 1862 now william was the son of a very wealthy shirt manufacturer who ended up being the founder of the winchester repeating arms company obviously Um, And then the two, William and Sally, were childhood friends and neighbors. So they kind of grew up together, how they ended up getting married. And then on June 15th, 1866, Sally gave birth to a baby girl named Anna, Annie Winchester, um, in honor of William's late sister who had died in childbirth. But unfortunately, the child... I was going to say, I keep wanting to say cute, but I know how it ends, so... yeah. Yeah, unfortunately, the couple, the the child uh, was sick and only died uh, within a month of the birth. The couple was absolutely devastated, ended up withdrawing completely from society, and Sally remained secluded for almost a year after the, uh, the death of her child. And then in the year 1880, so between the years 1880 and the spring of 1881, Sally lost both um, her mother her father-in-law, and then in March of uh, 1881, her husband, William. So within not even a six to nine month span, Sally had lost a lot of people in her life. Mm-hmm. So Sally, um, before le- shortly before his death, um, William made the bank, like all the bank statements and everything like that to put everything in um, all of William's shares of the Winchester a Rifle Company into Sally's name. So Sally was 40 years old when her husband died. So she controlled 777 Winchester Repeating Arms Company shares, which were valued at the time about uh, $77,700. So each share was worth, look about, what, $1,000 or something? Yeah. All right. So, and then between 1880 and 1885, um, she earned dividends from the stock, which averaged about 
$7,900 annually, but after the death of her mother-in-law, Jane Winchester, in 1889, Sally inherited the rest of the 2,000 shares of the Winchester Repeating Arms Company stock, which was about $400 a share at the time. Mm-hmm. So now we're in, it's 1884, uh, a couple years after William's death, uh, Sally's older sister, Mary, also passes away. Um, during this time, Sally's uh, developing really bad rheumatoid arthritis. Her daughter, uh, his, yeah, her, her doctor suggested that she goes to a warmer, drier climate because, you know, the cold's really bad on joints. So yeah. in 1885, at the age of 46, uh, Sally Winchester moves out to California from New Haven, Connecticut. So the original home that she purchased was an eight-roomed farmhouse for $12,570 from John Hamm in 1866. It was situated on a 45-acre ranch in Santa Clara, Santa Clara Valley, and it was and she named the eight-room farmhouse and property La Lanita. L-L-A-N-A-E-A. Lanata, I think. Villa? Yeah, listen, you, you're better at Spanish than I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, and since the area reminded her of Lanata uh, uh, Alvasa in Spain, which is a place where her and her husband visited about 10 years earlier. Cute. So originally, Sally and her husband, William, had developed an interest in architecture and interior design while building a prospective home in New Haven. With and with the plans to expand the eight-room farmhouse, uh, Sally hired two separate, uh, at least two separate architects to work on the project, but continuously dismissed everybody, deciding that she was going to do the entirety of the renovations herself. Mm-hmm. She designed each room room by room and supervised the project and sought out advice from the carpenters that she hired. So the entirety of all the designs were a hundred percent hers at all times she was known to rebuild um and abandon construction in the progress progress if she did not like or was nothing was met by her expectations which resulted in this weird like maze-like design which i walking through the house it has a flow but it definitely is like if you don't know where you're going you're gonna get lost you're gonna end up in a room where you don't belong um it's a hot it's a whole thing um and yeah, San- i've seen plenty of videos where like you just open a door and it's outside but you're on the third floor like- yep. <laughs> yep and we'll get into all of those little things um but in in the san jose news in 1897 it was reported that a seven-story tower was torn down and rebuilt about 16 times on the property Goodness. as as a result of her exp- expansions there was a walled off there's walled off exterior windows, doors that were removed to part of the house to continue to make them grow, multiple levels up to five in different areas of the house. Um, the house itself has a very Romanesque Victorian Gothic feel to it. So after within the first six months of uh, renovations, the house had increased to 26 rooms by that point. Good God. Yep. Um, so there is lots of different intricate like things including to the house, German chandeliers, interesting moldings, Austrian art glass, Asian furnishings, French paintings. The gardens outside had or uh, different exotic trees, shrubs, flowers, had over about um, the plants in the garden were from over 110 different countries. That's so, impressive. 
it's a very wide, vast estate. And she yeah. hired lots of local people to run the estate and everything like that. So by but by 1903, by this point, now Sally is working on the renovations of the house. She's pretty much continuously updating, doing something. As something is always under construction during her lifetime in this house. Mm-hmm. So by 1903, her... Sally's rheumatoid arthritis had completely disfigured her hands and feet, limiting her um, her ability to walk and write. She was starting to lose teeth, requiring dentures. Writing was painful and was required um, from the help of a stenographer and her niece. Um, By 1911, her health improved somewhat, allowing her to sew and go through the newspapers um, that... uh, allowing her to sew and go through newspapers and kind of do more everyday things Mm -hmm. during that time uh winchester hired a a nurse and a secretary who remained close to sally during her death now in 1906 something happened in San, san francisco which affected the area out near santa clara I wonder what it was. I wonder what it was. It was the 1906 San Francisco earthquake, which the home was severely damaged during this time. Mm -hmm. Um, There were rumors around the house and everything that Sally was locked or trapped in the home, but there was no evidence of that. She, um, it was said that she was actually, and because she owned several different places and different homes in California, that wasn't her only location. She Mm -hmm. wasn't even in the, in the home during that time mm-hmm. but during the earthquake the seven-story tower and most of the chimneys collapsed and an entire wing was destroyed along with a third third and fourth story additions um winchester had the rubble and everything removed but had done nothing to the property after the earthquake so pretty much everything that was destroyed stayed destroyed Damn. Yeah, like that's wild left, to me. Yeah, so it left doors that opened up to nothing where their balconies once were. So, like some doors, you know, there was a door that leads to know there was eventually a balcony at that point. Okay, um, pipes, pipes were protruding out where there once were window boxes, staircases that um, once had upper floors, now nothing. So after that point. Um, in 1910, and due to her uh, Sally's failing health, she did not work on the San Jose um, home except for odd maintenance jobs. And then in 1916, she added an elevator. At this time, oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, right. Um, <laughs> and so by 1920, now uh, Sally rarely left her house, shopping for clothes and materials via mail order or sending um, employees to the store. Mood. And she would just bring out stuff to her car. <laughs> and then in of September of 1922, uh, she went from one of her other homes to back to the mansion to be closer to her doctor who lived in San Jose. And then on Tuesday, September 5th, 1922, she passed away. Uh, she was buried in New Haven in the Evergreen Cemetery beside her husband, William, and her daughter, Annie. Cute. Yeah. So there's a lot of like, rumors and like lore and stuff around the house yeah because of her continuous um her continuous construction her continuous change in plans all of these different things but when sally died in 1922 the house officially ended with 24,000 square feet Mm 10,000 windows 
Yeesh. 2,000 doors. God damn. 160 rooms. What? 52 skylights. Okay, that was kind of cool. 47 stairways and fireplaces. What? Yep. 17 chimneys. Well, okay. 13 bathrooms. And six kitchens. Those last two I'm fine with. Right? <laughs> at the, built at the price tag of $5 million in 1923. Jeez. Would you like to have her a guess of how much it would be today? You said what, $5 million? Mm-hmm. Oh, it's probably going to be close to like $50 million or some shit. $71 million. Jesus. Yeah. So, you would think, though, that like stairwells that go to nowhere would like lower the value. <laughs> <laughs> well, all of the because the, the it's thing got is, it's, like, uh, it's got forty seven stairs. However, <laughs> only three of them are productive. <laughs> there's these um there's these low those low stairs that go up a half a floor. There's forty four of them, but Jesus. they go up like at this like weird angle, and then they make this big turn and they go up. So it's like, like yeah. It's really, it's really quite interesting. Um, so, around 1895, in the height of Sally and her reconstruction, right? Mm-hmm. Sally starts appearing in newspapers and interesting articles about speculation about what's happening at her house, right? Because you know, <laughs> you're not going to go. I mean, everybody in Santa Clara is like, "The fuck is happening." Yeah, right? Like, you're not going to go along your life, and you're just going to continue just adding weird shit to your house, and no one's going to notice. Especially when you're a prominent member of the community like Sally was. Like, she was um, a very rich, very influential woman. She met with presidents. Like, she was controlling owner in the Winchester company. Like, she was a big person. So it wasn't like she was a complete recluse during yeah, her life. Yeah, she was lifetime. girl bossing it. Yeah, she was girl bossing it hard. So they ever my favorite story that I read was that that the if she stopped building on the house, she would die. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, the I've only heard thing that one. The only thing keeping her part of the house, like keeping her going was, you know, working on the house. And that's why in 1922, when she couldn't work on the house anymore, that's when she died. So the, the, her lack of interaction with the neighbors kind of, cause she kind of kept to herself uh, in the area, um, fed into this like superstitious narrative because the big ornate houses and it was, it was just ridiculous of all these stories yeah. and stuff coming out about her. The belief that Sally built her house in a strange maze-like manner to confuse and kept spirits up from harming her because there was a whole, like there's this whole narrative that she built the house to contain the spirits of the people who the Winchester rifle had killed. Yeah. Like, like the whole, you know, the whole Winchester movie or whatever with Helen Mirren. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the whole thing is, like, there, you know, she's being haunted by these spirits that um, are attacking her and keeping her awake and all these things because of all of the guns that have killed all these people and everything like yeah. that. So there's 
barred windows that like are on outside of other windows like you there's a window that you can look and it's just looking into a wall like it's just a window it's chilling in a hallway for funsies you know (laughs) if you're gonna do it might as well be for funsies Mm -hmm. so like when the talk about the lowering of the of the steps and everything that was because of sally's failing health she couldn't step up as high so that's why they had to make such small steps um yeah that makes sense yeah, there's a trap door in the greenhouse um, because there's a greenhouse on like the uh, like the second floor, and there's a ho- like a a window like skylight above it. It's to open up the trap door to let the water run into the greenhouse when that's it rained. Cool. So, um, so that's kind of like it, everything up into a point had a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going to tell some stories about some apparent uh, hauntings of the mm-hmm. Winchester house. So there is the bell tower that used to be called the workman and was served as a fire alarm for the property. Um, according to a person named Joe Nickel, um, who claims that it was later arose, it was created to summon spirits. Mm-hmm. Also, according to Joe, there was claims of ro- local residents hearing ghostly music coming from the house. Um, but that was were explained by Sally enjoying to uh, play her pump organ in the grand ballroom when she was unable to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, was that while she was there? Or was she, like, was the home empty? Because if yeah. she was there, then we think we know what happened. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's Sally. She's playing her, she's playing her, um organ there and then so this is what i was talking about like the the gun sorry (laughs) i'm 12 i'm sorry (laughs) um according to other rumors and stuff like that uh that sally would have nightly seances in the house that would you know kind of convene the spirits and everything like that but according to her staff and everything like that it was just a urban legend that people would bring up because everything along these things would every every kind of place that has this big mystery you're going to have stories that come out of it are being like oh that person does this you know all this person yeah. does that. they're communing with the dead um, yeah i'm honestly surprised there was no she's sacrificing children in the basement you know like right? yeah um so visitors and tour guides who now um visit the house because the house was turned into a tourist destination in 1923 so not shortly long after uh Sally passed away it became open to the public that's cool yeah I thought it took longer which I don't know how I feel about the fact now that I think about it that it didn't take longer they were like ah she's dead we can get people to walk through it now yeah like it's like okay now we can you know uh put it on the national like it was it was applied to the national historic like places in California and the registry and all that stuff but the visitors and tour guides claim that they've experienced cold spots footsteps cooking smells in different kitchens um odd sounds whispering doors and windows slamming and opening feelings like that they're being watched um so there's been no significant you know proof of any hauntings or anything like that yeah it's one of those things it's it's always going to have this shroud of mystery because we don't really know why Sally kept building. Like that's the whole mystery is that we don't really know why she continued to build after 
you know, after a certain point? Is it, was it to appease something? Was it to, um, was it just because she was bored with herself? That's honestly what I think it was. It was just something to keep her mind busy after losing everyone and having yeah. to move away from her home. And yeah. it was an interest that her and her husband shared together. And so it was something to make her feel closer to him. Yeah. And it kept her brain off of the fact that she was alone. Yeah. That's, that's honestly that's, what I think. That's um, like while um, before I went there and I before I witnessed it and like walked through the house and everything like that, it was, oh, this woman, you know, has this whole big thing. Maybe it is spirits. But like after walking through it and being like that, I definitely think it's right where you were said. She was just lonely and she wanted something to kind of occupy her time. Um but because it doesn't make sense cool. to me that if it was like, oh, we're hiding from the ghost, some blah, 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 blah. But she has other houses that she's not doing that to. Yeah, it's just this one particular house. So yeah. it, it, while it still will always remain technically a mystery, because there was no ever real reason why, um, Mary, uh, Mary, <laughs> I don't know, um, Sally well we will never know why now they they say that sally also haunts the house but once again there's See, no real that i would that i would believe yeah that i that 100 percent i would believe now do i don't I, believe that it's the spirits of the people that the winchester repeating rifle had killed no that i don't believe um but like if sally yeah i believe Sally's probably there yeah and it could be that like maybe she thought she was hearing the spirit of her husband and she felt like it was something that her and her husband were doing together with building this house. It was like their little project, yeah. you know, and that's where like the start of the spirit's story came in is yeah. that it's she just, was like, I feel my husband when I do this. Yeah. It's one of those things. It's like, you'll, you'll never have, there always will be a story behind it. So that's Sarah and Sally, the mystery of the, the Winchester Mystery House. I would like to go. It's super cool. I would. I like, would love to go again. The videos and stuff I've seen. The videos and stuff that I've seen of it, like it looks really cool. It's very cool. Like there's a staircase that goes like leads up to a ceiling. Yeah, um, I've seen that one. Yeah, we walked through one of the wings that was kind of destroyed from the 1906 earthquake. You can definitely tell like they didn't touch it. Like she's like, yeah. okay, that's just part of the like. There's definitely we only went through maybe. I would say 50 of the 106 room or 160 rooms. Like we saw a couple of the kitchens. We saw, you know, place like the entryways. But the thing is, is my favorite part of it all was the same glass within the house because she had such a gothic taste. Like there's spiderweb, like there's these beautiful glass fixtures that have like spiderwebs through them. And it's just, and it's just gorgeous. Like she, you can tell that she didn't half-ass anything. She put a lot of time and effort and thought into what she was doing. That's really cool. Yeah. So highly recommend. If you're ever in California and you want to go see Sally's beautiful work at the Winchester Mystery House, I would highly recommend. Yes. Yes. So. Well, that was a very upsetting episode to begin with. <laughs> um, But I think it ended pretty good. Not too bad. Too bad. Not too shabby. Not too, Not too shabby. Next week is our very last episode of Northern of California. No Cal. no Cal. And we already have our topics. Mm-hmm. 
So I am doing things that go bump in the night. And I am the obscure. And I hope it will be super fun. I hope it is not depressing. <laughs> so don't do the dude who had a harem? Yeah, don't do the dude who had a harem. Because I just, I'm going to think of the just ways to torture him the entire time worth talking. I mean, that sounds fun. Yep, that honestly is what got me through your story to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> like, where's this? This is how Caroline's going to get through this upsetting thing. Is pretend how to torture these people who are already dead. <laughs> I mean, if it makes you feel any better, if hell is real, they're definitely there. Oh, I sure as fuck hope so. In the the deepest parts that they can go, the <laughs> deepest, deepest the, parts. The, the deepest hole that they could find. I hope that they're there. <laughs> Same with hopefully the deepest hole Satan could find. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we were talking about holes, and <laughs> my br- I'm a twelve year old. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, the thing is, is you didn't even have you said it, but you didn't imply anything, and I my brain still went there. <laughs> like. You know there was this like unintended innuendo there. We both. <laughs> oh lived no! It there. was intended. It was oh. intended. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. Good, good, good. Because sometimes I make innuendos and I don't mean them to. <laughs> no, no, no. That one was fully intentional. Amazing. All right. The motherfucker so- <laughs> had a harem. Uh, you know, I hope he's a part mm. of Satan's. Like, oh yeah, I hope he gets used on the daily. <laughs> <laughs> By a native woman. <laughs> oh, that would be karma. Right? I hope all of his torturers are native people. Yes, but I also, I hope those native people are in their version of heaven and, like, that's part yeah, of like, their, that's like... like, their thing. Like, they, like, take shifts or something. Yeah, like, it's their enjoyment. Like, they have yeah. fun with it while yeah. torturing him. Like, yeah, exactly. they aren't being punished in hell. Oh, no, no, no. They're employed by Satan. <laughs> <laughs> They have the best healthcare plan. <laughs> they do. They are really living it up. Like, you know, they had a shit time on life. Like, you had people who were harems, killing people, genocide. They deserved the best heaven. And I hope that that's what they're getting right now. I they're hope so, the too. Or heaven, whatever, and then they whatever get to get their afterlife is. Exactly. Whatever afterlife that they have, I hope it's the best. And I hope I get to torture the, the fucking shit out of those people for the rest of eternity. That yes. is my hope for them. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us, even though this was depressing as hell. My and bad. it's okay. It happens. We all um, knew. When I drew the gloomy times, we all knew. We all knew it was going to be sad as hell. Um, and we please ask, uh, please follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook at History Bucket, the podcast, and on Instagram at History underscore Bucket. And uh, we do try our best to update them. We're terrible at it, but. Uh, please mm-hmm. have mercy on us <laughs> and uh we will see you guys on the next one bye mm-hmm.